This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. To download more lectures, learn more about our project, and to help support it, visit www.bayyina.com slash dream. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H slash dream. You are free to share these recordings with family and friends. Thank you and Jazakumullah Khairan for helping us make our dream a reality. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajim Bismillahirrahman Ar-Rahim Ida zulzilatil ardu zinzalaha Wa akhrajatil ardu athqalaha وقال الإنسان ما لها يومئذ تحدث أخبارها بأن ربك أوحى لها يومئذ يصدر الناس أشتاتا ليروا أعمالهم فمن يعمل مثقال ذرة خيرا يره ومن يعمل مثقال ذرة شرا يره رب الشحل صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي والحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين اللهم اجعلنا منهم ومن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر أمين يا رب العالمين اللهم نور قلوبنا بنور القرآن يا أرحم الراحمين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته إن شاء الله تعالى today we're going to be engaged in a study of سورة الزلزال this is the surah that follows سورة البينة سورة number 99 uh, and in this surah, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to deal with the subject matter primarily of the last day. Before we begin, just something about what this, how Allah Azza wa Jal approaches this topic in this surah. The people who denied the hereafter basically had three criticisms, three things, three problems with believing in the concept of an afterlife. Their first problem was, how could this sky, this earth, this incredibly stable you know, element of our life, how could this ever be collapsed? How could this ever come to an end? How could this sky ever crack? How could this earth ever be stretched and lose, you know, this stability that we've seen it have our entire lives and the lives of our ancestors? How will this ever be taken away? So this was too grand of a thought for them to even fathom that this world would come to an end. That's the first problem they had. The second problem they had was, how could there be any record of every single thing that every single person has done? How, what kind of record could this be? That nothing goes unchecked, nothing gets unwarranted, everything is being witnessed, everything is being watched and it's being recorded, and it's going to be brought out, nothing will remain. No, no stone unturned, no deed overlooked, no crime un, you know, uh, unwatched. So this was the second problem they had. The third problem they had was, even if it did happen, even if we're to assume that the world will come to an end, and all of our deeds will be counted and brought forth, and they were being watched, even if that happened, well, we've been worshipping these entities, who are supposed to be in good connection with Allah. So if we, even if we go to Allah with these, you know, our bad deeds, these entities that we have been worshipping, 
they're going to make a case for us. They're going to be shufa'a. They're going to stand in the way and say, Allah, this one's with me. And sort of make a case for them. Which is a good insight, by the way, into the psychology of shirk. People don't do shirk because they deny necessarily that Allah is one. It is because they don't want, they want somebody in between who can deal with their problems and present them to Allah. This is the idea of, you know, if, for example, if you have, uh, I don't know this, if this happens much in the United States, but you have somebody who's a boss and you have a worker. And in between you have a manager. Right? You've got the boss, you've got the worker, but in between the two you've got the manager. But if the manager is your uncle, right? the manager is your older brother, the manager is your father, that's a relative. You as a worker, you start slacking off. Because you say, look, I don't have to answer to the boss, who does? The manager does, he'll deal with it. He, since he knows me and he likes me, he's gonna make a case for me. That's basically the idea of shirk. Somebody else will carry my sins. I just need to make that middleman happy. I need to have a connection with that middleman. So long as he's happy, he'll deal with the rest. It's not my problem. And this, putting someone in between ourselves and Allah Azza wa Jal, this is exactly what Islam came to destroy and shatter. Even within the Muslim community sometimes, this psychology, if shirk doesn't exist in its blatant forms, sometimes the psychology of it exists in the mind of the Muslim. So for instance, we'll put people in between ourselves and Allah Azza wa Jal and say to them, why don't you make dua to Allah and then it'll be accepted, not me. Why don't I give you money and give this and this and this, except we put someone in the middle and they'll deal with it. By the way, this is at the heart of Christian thought. They can do all the sins they want. Who's gonna make a good case for them anyway? Jesus, right in the middle, right? So this was their third problem. The first problem was, how could this world come to an end? We can't imagine that happening. The second problem was, how could all of our deeds be counted? And the third, even if all of that was true, you know, we have plenty of entities in between us and Allah that will save us, that will shield us from that questioning. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah shatters all three of these myths. These three problems that they had, all three of these are attacked in this surah, Surah Zilzal. It's a very short surah, eight ayat, very very short surah, but contains in it profound lessons, very very deep lessons. And the choice of the words in the surah is just absolutely incredible. So we begin with the first ayah, إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا The word that, that repeats itself in this ayah is زَلْزَلَ زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا So that's a little bit of new vocabulary. The, the word ard is pretty simple to understand, it's come up before land, the earth, right? But the word زَلْزَلَ is a new word in, in our vocabulary. First thing we say is that in, you know, this is, in, in most words in Arabic come from a three-letter root. Uh, so this is basically what's called the jidr, the root of the word, okay, the source of the word. For example, ilm is ayn, lam, mim, three letters, right? But zalzala is four letters. Za, lam, za, lam. So this is not a normal root. Usually the root letters are three, but this is quadrilateral. Ruba'i is four letters. But Imam Raghib al-Asfahani and other linguists, they argue that even the four letter roots are rooted in a three letter root. They're based still on a three letter word and it's their enhanced form. So he argues that zalzala actually comes from zalla. And zalla in Arabic, that's za, lam, and lam, three letters. This word in Arabic means to slip. You know when you're walking and you trip, or you slip? This is called zalla. But then, when you have takrar lafdi, when the syllables are repeating, zal, zala, the syllables are repeating, right? Takrar lafdi, it indicates takrar ma'nawi. It means, the, the, because the phonetics are repeating, the meaning includes repetition. So someone who keeps tripping and slipping over and over and over again, that act is called... Zalzala. And of course, 
in some other languages even, even in the Qur'an, in, in classical Arabic, zalzala means an earthquake also. But what happens in an earthquake? You keep tripping and you keep slipping and you don't have stable footing. So it's actually still rooted in zalla. So when Allah says, إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضِ It's alluding to the fact that people won't be able to stand the way they stand normally. And it'll be shaken thoroughly and people will be slipping. Now this is captured in another ayah, Allah Azza wa Jal says, إِنَّ زَلْزَلَةَ السَّاعَةِ شَيْءٌ عَظِيمٌ No doubt, the shaking of that hour, the zalzala of that hour, of the hour, is an enormous thing. In another place he says, you know, وَتَرَ النَّاسَ سُكَارَ وَمَا هُمْ بِسُكَارَ You'll see people as though they're drunk, but they're not drunk at all. What does that mean they're drunk? Have you ever seen somebody who's walking around and he's drunk? They're tripping on themselves, they can't stand up straight, they're, they're wavering, their bodies are waving, right? That's what's gonna happen when you're in an earthquake. Your body's shaking and waving like you look like you're drunk. And Allah says, وَتَرَ النَّاسَ سُكَارَ وَمَا هُمْ You'll assume that they're drunk, but they're not drunk at all. And that's captured in the word zulzilat in the first uh, uh, ayah. A rough translation I will offer you. When the earth is violently shaken repeatedly, as it was always meant to, zilzalaha, it's violent shaking. But now that, that's a rough translation. We're gonna go bit by bit, word by word by word, and understand something more about this word. Now in the Qur'an for uh, earthquakes or for shaking, there's the word rajja. إِذَا رُجَّتِ الْأَرْضُ And that's for shaking something violent, or jerking something all of a sudden. Like it was still, and it was pushed or rattled all of a sudden. That's when rajja is used, or tajjij. Then another word we find rajaf in the Qur'an. يَوْمَ تَرْجُفُ Rajaf is a kind of movement or shaking that, you know... Um, you have a, uh, like a sheet on a bed and you jerk it like this and there's waves caused or you throw a stone in a pond and ripples come out it disturbs the entire piece of the water right that's called this is the word rajaf this is the word Allah uses for some munafiqoon he says murjifuna fil al-murjifuna fil madina because they were like they were causing disturbance in the piece of madina so the same word is used when they cause disturbance but the word nonetheless here in this ayah is that of zalzala Al-Biqa'i rahimahullah comments in its relationship with the previous surah. He says, when, while this, the previous surah ended with the rewards for as-salih wa talih fi al-baqa. As-salih, the righteous person. As-talih, the wretched, wicked person. And you know, both of their endings, their conclusions, in the final home, in the, whole, the house that will always remain, that was mentioned at the end of the last surah, in Surah Al-Bayyinah. What is he referring to? إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ وَالْمُشْرِكِينَ فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمَا خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أُولَٰئِكَ هُمْ شَرُّ الْبَرِيَّةِ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ أُولَٰئِكَ هُمْ خَيْرُ الْبَرِيَّةِ That was at the end of the previous surah. Where will they end up? One of them in Jahannam, fi nari Jahannam. The second one, جَزَاؤُهُمْ جَنَّاتُ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ جَنَّاتِ Right? The, 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 or جَنَّاتُ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ You know, uh, gardens at, uh, at the bottoms of which rivers are going to be flowing. تَجْرِيمٍ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ This is the conclusion of the previous surah. But this surah begins as he comments, أَوَّلُ مُبْدِئِ تِلْكَ الدَّارِ وَأَوَائِلُ غَيَاتِهَا What that implies is, that was the end of the journey, but Allah is talking, that was the end of the end. Allah is now talking about the beginning of the end. That's what they will end up at. But this terrible journey to the hellfire, or, or, this, or this awesome journey to the paradise, it begins with the day of judgment. So that's what this surah is talking about, where that journey begins. He says, فَقَالَ مُعَبِّرًا This is an interesting comment by Al-Biqani, rahmahullah. بِأَدَاتِ التَّحْقِيقِ لِأَنَّ الْأَمْرُ حَتْمٌ لَا بُدَّ مِنْ كَوْنِهِ إِذَا he says, you know, this word إِذَا in the beginning, إِذَا زُلْزِلَةِ الْأَرْضِ زِلْزَالَهَا إِذَا is used in Arabic to remind someone of something that is going to happen that they keep forgetting. 
You know, sometimes in the word when in English, when. is used sometimes to talk about something in the past and sometimes it's used to talk about something in the future. For example, when I helped you last year, right? When I helped you last I'm referring to it in the past. When I say when I call you next week, I'm referring to the word when in the future. When you use the word when in the past, you don't say إِذَا, you say if in Arabic. The word when for the past is if. The, word, the same word when for the future is إِذَا. Ida. So this word is Ida. It's referring to something in the future. But there's something more. The word Ida is to remind someone of something that is bound to happen. It's not if it will happen, it is when it will happen. What's the difference between if and when? If I say to somebody, if I call you, pick up. That means I may or may not call you. But when I say when I call you, pick up, there's a difference, right? I'm definitely gonna call in that case. I've made the intention, it's for sure. So by saying Ida, Allah Azza wa Jal made the, the, the event of the Day of Judgment a, a certain reality. A certain reality. He doesn't say if the earth is shaken, he says when it is shaken. When making it an absolute reality, subhanAllah. Then the other thing is, وَكَانَ الْبِنَاءُ لِلْمَفْعُولِ يَدُلُّ عَلَى سُهُولَةِ الْفِعْلِ وَيُسْرِهِ جِدًّا Allah didn't say when He will shake the earth. He said when the earth will be shaken. This is مبني على المفعول It's the passive form It's kind of like the difference between You know, uh, I helped And I was helped I was helped Right? Or a car, I, I drove the car Or if I say a car was driven When I say a car was driven I didn't mention the driver I just mentioned that something happened to the car But I, did, I mentioned, didn't mention the driver Similarly, if I say about Allah Allah will shake the earth that's not what he said. He said, when the earth will be shaken. He didn't mention himself. Now this has several rhetorical benefits. But the ones I want to highlight before you is, يَدُلُّ عَلَى سُهُولَةِ الْفِعْلِ وَيُسْرِهِ جَدًّا The passive is used in Arabic for an action that is very easy to do. Very, very easy to do. Like you know, it'll get done. When you say something, some, it'll get done. Now you didn't say who's gonna do it. This, so the rhetorical difference in Arabic between I'll do it and it'll get done is I'll do it implies whatever you're doing might be difficult. When you say it'll get done, it's really easy. You don't even have to mention the fact that you'll do it, it'll just get done. It's, it's very easy on you. So by saying zulzilat, Allah Azza wa is mentioning how easy it is for Allah to cause that violent shaking of the earth that, that is bound to come. The, the violent earthquake of the Day of Judgment is very easy on Allah and that is captured in the word zulzilat al-ard. Then we find, uh, uh, commenting on this, Imam Abu Ja'far ibn Zubayr's notes, he, he argues that the previous surah mentions Khayrul Bariya and Sharrul Bariya. Right? Two groups, actually in the, in the reverse order. Sharrul Bariya and Khayrul Bariya. And in, those were the two groups, the best and the worst of all creation, of all things that, are, that exist. In this surah, inshaAllah ta'ala, we're going to find, Allah Azza wa Jal says, يَوْمَ إِذِينْ يَصْطُرُ النَّاسُ أَشْتَاكَ on the day on which people will be divided up into groups. And he, Abu Jafir comments that that comment that Allah made in the previous surah is now coming, being fulfilled in this surah. There Allah just said two groups. 
But how did they end up becoming two groups? How are they going to be spread, separated into two distinct groups? Because if you look at the life of this world, the believers and the kuffar were living in the same city. They were even neighbors to each other, family to each other, inseparable even in some cases, right? But now we're going to look at a case where they're going to be separated. Zak, if you could just do me a favor and turn the phone off, it would really help, inshallah. Thanks. Alright. Train of thought sort of thing. Anyway. So, Sharrul Bariya and Khairul Bariya. Now, Imam Al-Alusi in commenting on إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا He says, أَيْ حُرِّكَتْ تَحْرِيكًا عَنِيفًا مُتَدَارًا uh, Mutadarikan rather and mutakarriran. He says it's going to be a kind of movement that is given to it that is violent, that is continuous, that keeps repeating itself, and it doesn't come to an end. And we'll talk about why he comes to this conclusion about it. It's it's actually embedded in the language. In Arabic, you have this concept of something called maf'ul mutlaq. Uh, for example, in Arabic, you say darabtuhu darban. Darabtuhu means I hit him. I hit him. Darabtuhu darban would, if you want to translate it absolutely literally, it would mean it would mean I hit him with a hit, which is kind of repeating yourself, right? I hit him with a hit. It doesn't make sense because obviously when you hit him, you hit him with a hit. But in Arabic, when you repeat the word, you're saying I hit him really, really hard. I gave him a real beating. That's how you say it in, in Arabic. Darabtuhu darban. So this maf'ul mutlaq, this repetition of the word, what it does is it it says it wasn't just any beating. I really beat the life out of this guy. Darban. Similarly, if I say qattalahu taqtilan, qattala, he he slaughtered him, he violently killed him. Taqtilan in the worst possible fashion, in the worst possible fashion. If I say nasran Allahu nasran, Allah helped us, and then I add the word nasr again, maf'ul mutlaq. This is called maf'ul mutlaq. It means Allah gave us incredible help. This is enormous help. So we have idha zulzilat al-ardu zilzalah. You have the repeated word. This one understanding of that is maf'ul mutlaq. So this is an incredible kind of earthquake. Earthquakes by themselves are incredible. They're not something normal. They're not something you experience every day. So when they happen, they're an enormous event. But Allah goes out of His way to take something that's already incredible and says it's gonna be much more than even you can imagine now. By adding the word, zilzalaha. But grammatically speaking, we don't expect the word zilzalaha, we expect the word zilzalan. From a grammatical point of view, إِذَا زُلْزِلَةِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالًا And that's maf'ul mutlaq. But Allah didn't say zilzalan, He said zilzalaha. The ha is a pronoun, it's idafa, it's, it's connected to the noun. And it refers back to the earth. The earth is feminine and the ha refers, is referring back to the earth. So we're gonna look at the benefit of Allah saying instead of zilzalan, saying zilzalaha. What difference does it make? And what, what rhetorical benefits does it produce? And how profoundly deep we, the meaning of the ayah gets because of that word. So the first impression we get is from Imam Alusi rahimahullah in Ruhul Ma'ani. He says, فَكَأَنَّمَا سَوَاهُ سِوَاهُ لَيْسَ زِلْزَالًا بِالنِّسْبَةِ إِلَيْهِ That's the first thing. Because of زِلْزَالَهَا it will be, it is an earthquake, it's earthquake, such a, such a quake that no other quake can ever be compared to it. By saying this is its special quake. This is something that's never happened before. Now, an earthquake, obviously we know that earthquakes happened before. But by adding the ha, it becomes uncomparable, incomparable to any other event such as it that has occurred before. That's the first thing. وَزِلْزَالَهَا الْعَجِيبَ الَّذِي يُقَادِرُ قَدْرَهُ He says, يُقَادَرُ قَدْرَهُ قَدْرُهُ actually. He says this is gonna be a unique earthquake which can't even be imagined. 
It's beyond imagination. It's a unique kind of earthquake, and that's captured in the pronoun ha. He says, this is awesome. He says, or the meaning embedded in the ha in zilzalaha could be the promise. If I say, for example, he fulfilled a promise, that's one thing. He fulfilled his promise. His promise. Like Allah says, it's earthquake. He doesn't just say an earthquake, he says, it's earthquake. What it means, implies is the earth has made a promise to Allah that it will shake on that day, and it's fulfilling that promise. SubhanAllah. And that's captured in the ha in zilzalaha. So it could be al-ahd aydan. Then he says, uh, he goes on to say, this about this idafa, this is Zamakhshari now in Al-Kashaf. He says that this implies that in Allah's wisdom and will, it, always meant, it was always meant to shake. By adding the ha, what we're learning is, this was the earth's destiny. This was its end goal. When Allah created it, it knew and Allah knew that its final goal, it, the purpose for which it is created is to shake one day, is to come to an end one day. And it's like it's been waiting to fulfill its mission all this time. And finally it gets to do the very thing it was created to do. The earth was not created for people to enjoy and walk around and think that it's going to last forever. Its real purpose is, is it's in its nihaya, it's at the end. The purpose of something is not in the journey, it's at the end of the journey. Right? The destination is the purpose. So the destination of this earth is the day of judgment. And that's captured in ha. That it gets to fulfill its destiny. And the thing that it was always meant to do, it finally gets around to it. And then finally, who was zinzalu shadid الَّذِي لَيْسَ بَعْدَهُ وَنَحْوُهُ قَوْلِكَ أَكْرَمَ التَّقِيَّ إِكْرَامَهُ That's what he's saying. He's saying that this is a, an intense earthquake, the likes of which will never occur after it. In other words, you can't have any worse. First of all, nothing's like it been done before. But what's being argued is, it is at the end. It can't shake any more than Allah is going to shake it on that day. It doesn't have the ability to become any more violent than Allah will already make it on that day. That's also embedded in the ha. Like for example, in the Arabic expression, What that means is, he honored that righteous person as much as, possi- as much as possible. In other words, he couldn't honor him anymore. He got the nth degree of honor by that person. This is ikramahu, that pronoun idafa at the end. So sim- similarly, zilzalaha implying Allah will shake it in a way that this earth has no more ability to shake than that. It's been exhausted to its capacity. It's going to be the, the worst after, uh, worst earthquake ever, and no earthquake could be more violent after. That's not even possible. Even that's not possible. Then awzilzalaha kulluhu wa jami'u ma huwa mumkinu minhu. This one one of it we already covered, but the other half we didn't. The meaning being, when Allah says it's earthquake, it implies that there will be no patch, no inch left on the earth that won't shake. You know, when an earthquake happens nowadays, some of it, some of the earth shakes, but the other part of the earth is still calm. Is you don't feel it. You can hear some some place had a 4.0 or a 6.0 or a 7.0, but on the other side of the earth, nothing. Nothing. But zilzalaha, by using the ha, Allah referred to the entire earth, there will not be a place left that is not feeling the wrath of this most violent earthquake, which cannot go any higher on the Richter scale. It can't get any worse. Subhanallah. Ash-Shinqiti rahimahullah. Al-Awwal, the first comment he makes, Ash-Shinqiti in tafsir of the first ayah, he says, تَقْرَارُ الْحُرُوفِ أَوْ مَا يُقَالُ الْمُقَطَّعُ الْوَاحِدِ He says the repetition of the huruf, it implies that it will shake, stop, shake, stop, it will keep doing that. And this is the same for all words that have these quadrilateral roots, al-ruba'i, you know, waswasa, 
الَّذِي يُوَسْوِسُ فِي صُدُورِ النَّاسِ Same two syllables, right? اَجْزَلْزَلَ وَسْوَسَ دَمْدَمَ عَلَيْهِمْ رَبُّهُمْ بِرَبِّهِمْ These kinds of words have an act that goes and stops and goes and stops. So when it, when it stops for a little while, what do you start thinking? Relief. And it goes again, and then it stops, and it goes again. This is what shaitan does, he makes waswasa. Hamasa is to whisper. Allah didn't just say whisper, He said waswasa, which means He comes, and when you look back, He's gone again. Then you go forward, He comes again, whispers again, goes back, whispers again. He does the repeated act. And that's what's implied in the word zalzala, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, so, so now this repetition that Allah is referring to in the word zalzala comes up in many places in the Qur'an. For example, He says, وَحُمِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ وَالْجِبَالُ فَدُكَّتَا دَكَّةً وَاحِدًا إِذَا رُجَّتِ الْأَرْضُ رَجَّا وَبُسَّتِ الْجِبَالُ وَسَّا And He says, يَوْمَ تَرْجُفُ الرَّاجِفَةً تَتْبَعُهَا الرَّادِفَةً All these ayat are referring to something that will happen repeatedly. repeatedly. And this is something that is meant to happen on the Day of Judgment. On a side note before I continue, Allah Azza wa says about the Day of Judgment, for the believers, He says, لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ Right? And it's not commonly understood what that means. They, the literal translation of that phrase is, there is no fear on them. The first part at least. The second part is a later discussion. There is no fear on them. In Arabic language, there's a difference between saying, rhetorically, the difference between they don't, they don't fear and there's no fear on them. They're actually two different things. They don't fear is something, they don't have a fear on them is something else. La yakhafun is something else, and then la khawfun alayhim is something else. Now, what's the difference between them? What's the difference between saying, they will not fear? As opposed to saying, there won't be any fear on them. Which is what Allah says. For the believers, there won't be any fear on them. I always give this example just to get this point across, and this is relevant to our topic because this is one of the scariest surahs in the Qur'an, so we should address that topic of fear. You see, if I give a child, there's a little girl, she's playing with a snake. She's playing with a snake. It's poisonous. But she's not scared. She's playing with it like, it's, like a pet. And it's going around, tickling her arm, but she doesn't, get, she doesn't care, she's laughing her head off. And it's a poisonous snake, right? Does she feel afraid? Does she fear? No. Is there a fear on her? Yes. The fear on her is that the snake might bite. That's the fear being felt on her. She's not feeling the fear, but that doesn't mean there is nothing to be feared. Do you understand? Now if I take the snake away, and I give her a teddy bear instead, play with this, and she starts crying, she's scared of the teddy bear. Now she feels afraid, but there is no fear on her. You understand? Now Allah says there won't be any fear on us. That doesn't guarantee that we won't feel afraid. We will feel afraid. It's a ter- it's a terribly scary day. Inna We hear about it and we get scared. You don't think we'll get scared when we're in it? We fear from our Lord this horrifying day, this terribly sad day. فَأَمَّا مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ Whoever feared, standing before his master, fear is there. But Allah is giving us a beautiful gift when He says, you will feel afraid, but no, there is no danger on you. There is no fear on you. لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ There won't be any fear on them. So you know, it's like, you know, your children get afraid when they hear loud thunder. When they hear thunder, they get scared. They're feeling afraid, but they're not, there isn't necessarily any fear. On them. In other words, in simpler English, there's nothing for them to be scared of. 
So Allah is giving us consolation. He's saying, subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the believer, you will feel scared, but relax. There's actually nothing you need to be scared of. Allah has removed that from us. But naturally, we'll still feel nervous and terrified on that day. So now we come to the next ayah. وَأَخْرَجَتِ الْأَرْضُ أَثْقَالَهَا أَخْرَجَ is the word in Arabic used for taking something out. To expel something, to extract something, to pull something out of something else. This is أَخْرَجَ. Okay? أَخْرَجَ can also be used to deport someone from a city. Okay, أَخْرَجْنَاهُ We expelled him, we kicked him out. To take something out. So أَخْرَجَ the word is used, this is the first word used, but the other words used in the Qur'an for taking out are بَرَّزَ and طَرَدَ and I just want you to know that this is good vocabulary to learn. Akhraja to take out. That's the most general meaning. Extract, pull out, take out. Okay. Barraza is used when you take something out of somewhere and put it right in front of someone. So you took it out and you put it right in front of someone. Allah says, وَبُرِّزَتِ الْجَحِيمُ لِمَنْ يَرَى Hellfire, al-jahim, will be taken out and put right in front of the one to look at him. To look at it. So it'll be brought out, it's like it's in hiding, right? Allah, it's, it's like implying it's in hiding. And Allah will yank it out, pull it out, burrizat al-jaheem, and brought right in front. لِمَنْ يَرَى For the one to see. And on the other hand, there's tarada. And Allah Azza wa Jalla speaks about tarada in the ayah, when He says subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَلَا تَطْرُدِ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ Don't expel those who call on their Lord. Tarada is used in Arabic when you uh, push something away that you find unacceptable, degrading. Or you don't, you, th- you don't think somebody is good enough for you and you push them away. You find somebody annoying and you push them away. You find somebody is not at your class and you push them away. This is tarada. And the messenger is commanded, don't do that to call those who call your, your master, your Lord. In other words, the, the, the sahaba could be the poorest of them. The sahaba could be slaves. The sahaba could be in any situation, but you still shouldn't push them away. This is the instruction we are supposed to have towards uh, other believers. Anyhow, so the word uses akhraja. Akhrajat al-ardu The earth will bring forth its burdens. Burdens will come up twice in this surah. This is the first time. Athqalaha. The second time, وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ Same word, similar root. So this is one burden, we'll read about another burden a little bit later on, okay? Athqalaha, the, the word burdens, Allah says the earth will pull out its burdens, its loads. Now the word athqal is the, one, the word to understand, what does it mean to pull out the burden? Uh, uh, linguistically speaking, the word thiqal, in Arabic, it's used for two things. It's used for two things. It's, the first thing it's used for is the stuff you have in your house. It's called thiqal, in the plural, athqal. Your couch, your furniture, the things in your cabinet, your files, computer, this, that, curtains. You know, everything in your house would be considered thiqal because it makes your house heavy. Without it, your house was light. Thiqal literally means burden, load, something that's heavy. Thaqil is something heavy, right? So this makes your house heavier, right? This is thiqal. Another meaning of thiqal is when you travel and you pack your bags, right? That's called thiqal. So the two implications of it are very beautiful and important to understand. You know when you pack your bags and you're carrying your bag around? You're not always gonna carry it, you're gonna let it go. You're gonna let it go, you're gonna release it. So the earth is carrying this load and the earth is also on a journey. And this, this load it has, it will eventually what? It'll let it go. It'll let it go. And then the other thing is, the things inside your house are called thiqad. The things that are inside your house. When you see the things that are supposed to be inside your house, when you see them spread all outside, you go in shock. 
You didn't expect them ever to come outside. You expected those things that they will remain inside. And Allah says, the things you think will remain inside, on, the, on that day, the earth will expel the things you, were, you thought were supposed to remain inside. Like those who have died, for example. The, the earth will pull them out. Its burdens include those who died. So now we read some tafasir of this was the linguistic meaning of the word athqalaha but let's look at some tafasir ay mimma huwa madfuna fiha kal amwati wal kunuz allati kana amruha thaqilan ala nas the first meaning al biqai comments it includes the dead everything that's buried in the earth will start coming out like the dead but the second thing he mentions is like the treasures like the treasures on the one hand the dead and the kafir thought never will the dead come out of the earth Never did he think he will come out of the earth. And next to him, what else is coming out? The treasures of the earth. The same treasures he used to run after his entire life. And he thought, this is the reason for which I'm supposed to live on the earth, are these treasures. Everything that people fight over on the earth comes from the earth. Whether it's the resource of water, or precious metals, or oil, whatever resource you talk about, comes from the earth. That's what people fight over. That's what people live for. That's what people die for. And on the day of judgment, they're coming out, and the things they used to run after are also coming out. But nobody cares on that day. Mountains of gold are coming out. Nobody cares. You know, entire oceans of oil boiling out of the earth. Nobody cares. We're living in time now when you dig the earth to find the treasure. On that day, that you don't even have to dig. The earth is giving it out. But nobody's running towards it, nobody cares. Because they realize they were running after the wrong thing all along. They look at that same treasure with hasra, I was running after you? What have I done? <laughs> they're looking at the thing they're running after and realizing how vain it was, how useless it was. SubhanAllah. وَأَخْرَجَتِ الْأَرْضُ أَثْقَالَهَا Then uh, Zamakhshari and Shawkani both have the same comment. Which I actually already shared with you. Al-Athqal jam'u thiqal wa huwa mata'ul bayt. He says this is the, jam- the plural of thiqal. And these are the things you use in your house. And also athqal, the burden of a traveler. Al-Shinqiti, his comments. Let's go to, to them. Faqila mawtaha. The first thing he says includes the dead. We, co- we commented on that. Wa kunuzuha, its treasures. We commented on that. And then the third one we didn't comment on. At-tahadduth bima amila alayha al-insan. It will also bring forth a report. It's one of its burdens is a report of what people have been doing on top of it. I was explaining this to my daughter today. I was studying and she just came over and she said, what are you studying about? And I was like, I'm studying the word awha. And I'll get to that word later on in the surah. بِأَنَّ رَبَّكَ أَوْحَالَهَا But the simple concept I was telling her was, you know, whenever we do something, who's watching? And obviously she said, what? Allah is watching. But I said, I want to tell you about something else. Someone else who's watching too. You know who's watching? Who's also listening? The earth. The ground underneath us, Allah made it a witness. It's got a recorder inside, and it's recording everything. And if you're not fearful enough to remember, Allah is watching, because Allah is in the unseen, right? Allah is in the unseen. Oh yeah, He's watching. Who else is watching? Who else is witness? The earth. And the more sins you do, the earth gets loaded with it, and loaded with it, and loaded with it. You know, it's like you keep stuff in your face, and stuff in your face, and stuff in your face. If you eat too much, what's gonna happen? You're gonna throw up. You're gonna throw up. The, the earth gets getting filled with the sins of people, and the, the wrongdoings of people. And it's getting loaded, and loaded, and loaded, until a point comes where it's saturated, and a day comes where it gets to actually throw up. وَأَلْقَتْ مَا فِيهَا وَتَخَلَّتْ Allah says, it brings out whatever was in it, and it's like it unleashes its burden. It get, finally gets to relax. The khalla is used in Arabic, when a mother gives birth, and she, she gasps and says, finally the pain is over. 
right? It's like the earth will finally be relieved of its pain. And what is its pain? The sins of the people that are just making the earth heavier and heavier and heavier. And by the way, sometimes you could say, I know I'm using crude language, but sometimes the earth burps. With the load of these sins? Sometimes it doesn't throw up everything. When will it throw up everything? On the Day of Judgment. But sometimes it lets out a little bit. You know when? Allah says, ظَهَرَ الْفَسَادُ فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحْرِ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِ النَّاسِ لِيُذِيقَهُمْ بَعْضَ الَّذِي عَمِلُوا SubhanAllah. In Surah Al-Rum he says, corruption came out in the land and in the ocean. This is what we call natural disasters, right? We call them natural disasters. When corruption and, and horrible things happen in the land and happen in the ocean. He says, because of what people earned. The earth is suffering from calamity and Allah says, because of what? People earned. And the ayah goes on, لِيُذِيقَهُمْ بَعْضَ الَّذِي عَمِلُوا So it can make them, so they may taste, so it may make them taste some of the things that they have done. When an earthquake happens, when a, a flood happens, when a tsunami occurs, Allah says, this is just a small taste of what you have done. This is a small taste. When will you taste everything you have done? When will the earth let out everything that you've been loading it with? That is on the Day of Judgment. That is when it gives up all of its burdens. Athqalaha. Then we find, and we're continuing with the commentary of Al-Shinqiti rahmahullah, وَقَالُوا الْإِنسِ وَالْجِنِّ ثَقَلَانَ عَلَى ظَهْرِهَا You know Allah in Surah Al-Rahman, He says, سَنَفْرُغُ لَكُمْ أَيُّهَا الثَّقَلَانَ الثَّقَلَانَ You two heavy groups, we will free ourselves for you. In Surah Al-Rahman, He calls human beings and jinn, الثَّقَلَانَ The human beings one thaqal, the other jinn. In other words, the, the, that the ultimate burden on the earth, the real burden on the earth is not the mountains, is not the trees, is not the climate. That's not the real burden on the earth. The real burden on the earth is the human being and the jinn. So when this ayah says the, the uh, earth will expel its burdens, the ultimate burden, yes it includes other things, but ultimately the human beings and jinn is what's implied here because of the other ayah, سَنَفْرُغُ لَكُمْ أَيُّهَا الثَّقَلَانِ and so he says, وَلِذَا سُمِّيَ بِالثَّقَلَيْنِ This is, that's why it's called, they, they are called thaqalain also. And so he also comments on the ayah that I shared with you, وَإِذَا الْأَرْضُ مُدَّتْ وَأَلْقَتْ مَا فِيهَا وَتَخَلَّتْ وَشَبِيهُ ذَلِكَ When the earth will be totally stretched, and then it will let out whatever it's been holding in, and release like a mother releases a child, and gets relieved. وَتَخَلَّتْ And other ayat like that. Now I told you in the beginning of the study of this surah that the Arabs had three skeptic, skeptic problems. The first one was, how will this earth ever come to an end? How can that be? An earthquake that takes over the entire earth? And an earthquake that makes the earth give out everything that's inside it? Everything's gonna come out? That's too incredible, too fantastic. My imagination doesn't go that far. The first problem addressed is it will happen. Allah doesn't say if it happens, Allah says when it happens, for sure. That's the first problem addressed. The second problem was, the second problem was that the human being, how are we, how are all of our deeds, how are they going to be kept record of? How can that ever happen? And Allah will let us know, yes, they are the angels. Our own bodies will testify, we learn about that too, right? Our skins will testify, our, our limbs will testify, that, that also occurs in the Qur'an. And when you say to your body parts, لِمَا شَهِدْتُمْ عَلَيْنَا Why are you testifying against us? What's going on? They say, Allah gave us the ability to speak, the one who gave everything the ability to speak. But on this day, in addition to all those witnesses, Allah adds another witness, which is 
the earth. And when the earth starts witnessing something it never did before, the human beings aren't used to seeing the earth witness, what do they say? وَقَالَ الْإِنسَانُ مَا لَهَا The human being will say, what is wrong with it? مَا لَهَا This phrase is used many places in the Qur'an. For example, مَا لَكُمْ What's wrong with you? كَيْفَ تَحْكُمُونَ How do you make your decisions? Similarly, Allah says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مَا لَكُمْ إِذَا قِيلَ لَكُمْ انْفِرُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ ثَاقَلْتُ مِنَ الْأَرْضِ Those of you who believe, what's wrong with you? When you're told, come forward in Allah's path, your feet get planted into the earth. So مَا لَهَا What is wrong with it? What's wrong with the earth? Now look at this amazing commentary. النِّسْيَانَ عَلَى سَبِيلِ التَّعَجَّبِ وَالدَّهَشِ وَالْحِيرَةِ This is Al-Biqa'i rahmahullah. He says the human being will say what is wrong with it as though he doesn't know that this day was coming. The human being knew this day was coming. He was being reminded over and over and over again. He says he will forget. Why will he forget? عَلَى سَبِيلِ التَّعَجَّبِ Because he'll be in utter shock. You know when you come into a, 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 something shocking comes before you, you forget that you were being reminded of it all the time. So that's the first reason he will ask that question. What dash? And he'll be terrified. Well, here and just utter surprise. But then here, in, in complementing the tafsir of al-biqa'i rahmahullah, you find the word insan. وَقَالَ insan. The word insan is different from nafs. Nafs is also a person. Fard is also a person. كُلُّهُمْ أَتِيهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ فَرْدًا This is in Surah Maryam. But here Allah uses the word insan. Insan, the word comes from nasiya, to forget. Nasiya means to forget. And on the day when he's rising, he had forgotten about that day, and he forgot that this was meant to happen. So it comes to him as a surprise, and he says, "Qala al-insanu What's wrong with it? Like he forgot. And this is one of the weaknesses of the human being. The other thing is the the, the comment we should understand is the difference between nas and insan. Later on in this surah, we will read another word, an-nas. يَوْمَ إِذِينَ يَصْدُرُوا an-nas. أَشْتَاتَ الْلِيُورَوْا أَعْمَالَهُمْ But here, nas is not used. Here, al-insan is used. So what's the difference between an-nas and al-insan? An-nas is people. Al-insan is, it could be considered as mujam' but it's really an individual word. In other words, you will be raised by yourself and you won't have anybody else to give you company and you will be, each human being will be saying on their own what is wrong with it. Every human being will be by themselves. No groups, no tribes, no nations, no families, no friends, no allegiances, nothing. The, the entire population of the world. Can you imagine? There is no bigger gathering of human beings on the, than the Day of Judgment. Look at the irony. There is no bigger gathering of human beings ever than on the Day of Judgment. Why? The entire earth and every generation of the earth all brought up at the same time. Every single generation from Adam salam to the last human being, all of them are standing, all at the same time. This is the biggest collective ever. And yet, you will feel the most alone when you're standing there. Even though when you're in a large crowd, you feel like you're with everybody else, right? And in, in, in the generations of the Prophet wasallam, we find you won't have the place to move your feet. You'll only have enough space to put your two feet and that's it. The entire earth will be completely congested and crowded and yet Al-Insan indicates we will feel entirely alone. We will feel entirely excluded. SubhanAllah. Maqal al-insanu malaha. Then we, we say, you know, and Zamakhshari comments, this comment, عِنْدَ النَّفْخَةِ الثَّانِيَةِ This is what the human being will say when dead people start coming out of the ground and coming back to life. And the second time the trumpet is blown, the second blowing of the horn, that's when the human beings will say this. 
This is similar to the words we find in Surah Yasin. مَنْ بَعَثَنَا مِنْ مَقَدِنَا Who raised us from our sleep? Who raised us from our long-term rest which was in their grave? Who, who brought us out? And because of these kinds of words, Ash-Shawkani and other comments, that Al-Insan in this ayah actually doesn't refer to all human beings, it refers to the kafir. It doesn't refer to all human beings, it refers to the kafir. Let's see why he says that. فَإِنَّ الْمُؤْمِنُ يَعْلَمُ مَا لَهَا Because the mu'min knows what's wrong with it. You know the kafir, the human beings say, what's wrong with the earth? What's going on? I'm shocked. But the believer knows all along this was gonna happen. So he's not gonna say what's wrong with it. What's going on? Actually, he's gonna say something else. The, believer, the disbeliever will say one of two things. The first thing is, malaha. What's wrong with it? The second thing is, man ba'athana min marqadina. Who raised us from our grave? The believer will not say that because the believer knows who raised him from the grave. The believer knows. So what will the believer say? This is what the believer says. هَذَا مَا وَعَدَ الرَّحْمَانُ وَصَدَقَ الْمُرْسَلُونَ This is what Ar-Rahman promised. And the messenger who's speaking the truth all along. The messenger who's speaking the truth. So this, Ash-Shawkani uh, rahmahullah comments, is a statement of the human being. وَقَالَ الْإِنسَانُ مَا لَهَا يَوْمَئِذٍ So there was إِذَا in the beginning, which is an ism ظَرْف. It's, it's a word used to allude to a time, like when. Of course the word when alludes to a time. But another word, another kind of ism ظَرْف is يَوْمَئِذٍ And يَوْمَئِذٍ آكَدْ مِنْ إِذَا It's more emphatic. It's more emphatic, more hyperbolized than إِذَا In other words, when we get to this part of the surah, now Allah is angrier than He was in the beginning. إِذَا زُلْزَلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا وَأَخْرَجَتِ الْأَرْضُ أَثْقَالَهَا وَقَالَ الْإِنسَانُ مَا لَهَا Allah's anger is there, but not as much as it is in the next ayah. يَوْمَئِذٍ تُحَدِّثُ أَخْبَارَهَا Actually, يَوْمَئِذٍ in and of itself is a warning. The rough meaning of the ayah is the day on which it will spill out and articulate its news. The, the, the information it contained within it, the earth, it will speak of it clearly. تُحَدِّثُ أَخْبَارَهَا That's the rough translation. But let's go word by word, inshaAllah ta'ala. The first is يَوْمَئِذٍ It is used when you warn someone. The day I get you, the day I find out, you know that kind of language? You use it to warn someone. يَوْمَئِذٍ تُحَدِّثُ أَخْبَارَهَا On that day, تُحَدِّثُ حَدَّثَ comes in the, the Arabic word, is to make someone aware of something. Is to make someone aware of something. And this is a very particular, very peculiar use of the word in the ayah. Ibn al-Faris comments, كَوْنُ الشَّيْءِ لَمْ يَكُنْ Hadatha in Arabic is the existence of something that didn't used to be there. Huduth, to create, to, to, of something to come into being that wasn't there before. From it comes the word haddatha, to tell the audience something that they previously did not know. That's one meaning, haddatha, to tell someone something that they didn't know. If I tell you something new, you will call it hadith. Hadith. Hadith is something you didn't know before. That's what the literal meaning. I know you know the religious meaning, but the linguistic meaning is telling someone something that they didn't know before. That's one meaning. The second meaning is telling someone something that they've completely forgot. So when they hear it, it feels like they're hearing it what? For the first time. That's the second meaning. The third meaning of haddatha is when the speaker speaks about something and he uses language assuming that people in the audience have never heard it before. Like you know how they do this in, in TV shows and things like that. They'll say previously on our show and they'll give you a recap. Assuming that you might have missed an episode, right? So when you speak in a way that assumes you missed the previous class, you missed the previous lecture, you missed the previous discussion, and you start from the very beginning, not missing any gaps. Under, even if people have heard it before, you're speaking in a way that says, 
I'm going to pretend you don't know any of this. I'm going to explain every last detail. I will not assume that you know anything. That you can fill in the blanks yourself. That's the word used for how the earth will speak on that day. In other words, it will be give every last detail out. And the people that will be listening, some of them will have forgotten those details and the earth will remind them. The earth will remind them of those details of their deeds that they have forgotten. That's one implication. The other is the human beings, you know, we all, we forgot them, the earth reminds us. And when it reminds us, because we are inside, we're forgetful, it'll feel like we're hearing it for the first time. The shock of it will be like the shock of some new event. Subhanallah. And this word is contrasted with the word, and by the way, before I get to the next word, akhbaraha, the Arabic word for informing someone. There are multiple words in the Qur'an. Ash'ara, wala yush'iranna bikum ahada, in Surah Al-Kahf. Ash'ara, to make someone aware of something similar word. Adhara, fala yudhhiru ala ghaybihi ahada. Allama, kul atu'allibun allaha bidinikum. Like in Surah Al-Hujurat. Adra, like we read before. Wa ma adraka ma hiya. Narun hamiya. These are all words of informing someone. But the specific word Allah used here is haddatha. Haddatha. To depict a psychological reality on the Day of Judgment. People will come into contact with things they themselves did. And the shock will make it feel like they're getting this news for the first time. This is actually, their shock is described in Surah Al-Kahf. مَا لِهَذَا الْكِتَابِ لَا يُغَادِرُ صَغِيرَةً وَلَا كَبِيرَةً إِلَّا أَحْصَاهَا What is wrong with this book? It didn't leave anything small out, nothing big out, except that it encapsulated and captured all of it altogether. An interesting discussion we should have is the difference between نَبَأ نَبَأ Like Allah says, عَمَّ يَتَسَأَلُونَ عَنِ النَّبَأِ الْعَظِيمِ But here the word نَبَأ or أَنْبَأَ the plural Anba is not used, akhbar is used. What's the difference between naba, which means news, and khabar, which also means news? There's similar meaning in English translation, pretty much identical, right? But sometimes Allah uses naba, and other times Allah uses khabar. What's, what's, what makes them different, and why use the word khabar here? The first difference between naba and khabar is naba could be something you could never have known. Naba could maybe something you may never have known unless someone gave you that news. This is why a prophet is called Nabi from Naba. You know what that means? He teaches you something that you yourself could never have known. You could have never figured it out yourself. He brings you news you couldn't have had access to. Similarly, the day of judgment, what will happen on that day? You can't know that. So It's going to happen and something you could never have known. That's the first difference. Khabar is something you could figure out. Khabar is something you could figure out. The second difference is Naba is could be of something of the past, the present, or the future. The word naba could be used for the past, the present, or the future. But it's something completely alien to you. For example, the Arabic expression Sailun Nabi is used for a flood that comes from the water, the flood water comes from one town into another. It's completely alien water to this town. Right? But anyway, naba could be used for an event, new information about the past, the present, or the future. But khabr is not used for the future. Khabr is only used either for the present or for the past. So that's the second difference between naba and khabr. But the third difference that I want to highlight before you is that the word naba is something that you couldn't expect. You can't, you, you can't compare it to anything. But khabr is something you actually can expect. Now the thing is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in different places in Qur'an talks about the Day of Judgment. What kinds of things did He tell us? Let's specifically look at Surah Al-Naba. What things did He tell us? يَوْمَ يُنْفَخُ فِي الصُّورِ فَتَأْتُونَ أَفْوَاجَ وَفُتِحَةِ السَّمَاءِ The horn will be blown, the sky will be cracked open, 
Mountains will sail. الجبال, mountains will just take a stroll. They'll just move smoothly. Are these things something you could expect? No, not at all. These are way beyond our expectation. The cracking open of the sky, the blowing of the trumpet, the horn, right? The movement of the cloud, this is, or, or, the, or of the mountains. This is all unexpected. So the word in the surah was naba. Anin naba il Surah Zilzal begins with Zalzala, an earthquake. Is an earthquake at least something you may have seen? It's something you may have expected. So what's the more appropriate word in this surah? Akhbar. SubhanAllah, the, the choice of words in the Qur'an is very, very, very precise. You could argue, Naba' Khabar, same thing. Put one layer, Amba' here. Yawma idhin tuhadithu Amba'aha. No, 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 no. Akhbaraha. That's the perfect word to use here. In that context, this is the word that fits. SubhanAllah. So, now we, we talk about the switch. We are, I already told you about the switch from Ida to Yawma idhin. It illustrates that Allah Azza wa Jalla is angrier now with the use of the word Ida. But I said, Tuhadithu and Akhbaraha, there seems to be a contradiction. Tuhadithu is used for something that you are shocked by. It's new. It appears new to you. And Akhbar is something present or past. But it's something that's already known. So when the two combine together, it implies that the human being will come into contact with knowledge on that day, that the earth will speak of, the, you know, the, the earth will articulate on that day. Even though he knew it, it'll come to him like it's new. He'll be shocked by it anyway. Now there's a difference of opinion among Mufassirun about the uh, tafsir of this ayah. We'll go through some of the commentary inshaAllah ta'ala. First we go to the, uh, the opinion of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. تُحَدِّثُ بِلِسَانِ الْمَقَالِ أَخْبَارَهَا He says that it will actually have a tongue. It'll act like we speak. It'll act, the earth will actually literally speak on that day. It'll start talking. Then, this is, this is taken from a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, in which, and Zamakhshari comments on this hadith also, تَشْهَدُوا عَلَىٰ كُلِّ أَحَدٍ بِمَا عَمِلَ عَلَىٰ ظَهْرِهَا That the day, on that day, the earth will testify on every single person in regards to every action it had done on its back. So the surface of the earth is called the back of the earth, عَلَىٰ ظَهْرِهَا Right? And whatever people had done, it'll testify against them. So, uh, in, in his commentary, Ibn Mas'ud said, Amila fulanun kada wa kada, it'll speak like this. This guy did this and this. That one did that and that. And they were standing over here when they did it, and there when they did it. It'll actually point out every single thing that people had done. Yuntiquha Allah ala al Allah will make it speak in reality. And another way it's understood it, it will actually speak to Allah. One interpretation is it'll speak to the people. You did this, you did this, you did this. And the other interpretation is, when Allah makes it speak, it'll actually be speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, complaining to Allah about what people had done. Both of those opinions exist in Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. So, like Zamakshari comments, تُحَدِّثُ uh, الْخَلْقَ That's his opinion, that it'll speak to creation on that day. But the other opinion was, uh, that it'll speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly. Some uh, uh, commentators took the route of, uh, you know, the Mu'tazili, the rationalists. And they, what they did was when they heard something that the philosopher or the, the, the person obsessed with logic might say, this doesn't make any sense. The earth is going to talk. That doesn't make any logical sense. So to appease to them, an opinion came about, which basically was, uh, the earth will speak, in other words, the fact that the, everything is coming out from the earth, that in and of itself is a kind of speech. Which may or may not be true. 
That may or may not be true. But we, the majority of the ulama, especially I'm, I'm impressed with the commentary of al-Shinqiti rahimahullah, who is probably the, one of the greatest mufassirun of al-Qur'an bil-Qur'an, tafsir al-Qur'an bil-Qur'an. And he emphasized that, that concept of tafsir. Let's listen to what he has to say. At-tahdith huna sarihun fil hadith. First of all, this literal speaking is clearly proven in hadith literature. Wa huwa ala haqiqatihi, and it will actually happen in reality as is described. Li'anna fi dhalika al-yawm tataghayyaru awda'a kulli shay. On that day, the, the nature of everything is going to change. Things you never expected will speak, will speak. Our skin will speak, our limbs will speak, our feet will speak, our hands will speak. Right? وَتَشْهَدُوا أَرْجُلُهُمْ Even their feet are going to testify against them. بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ In regards to the things they earned themselves. So because of that, he says, we don't have to stretch the meaning to say, no, no, no. It's, it's speaking in its calamity, or it's speaking in this abstract form. Perhaps it's literally speaking, and Allah Azza wa Jalla put it in that way. Wallahu Taala Alam. So awha bi anna rabbaka awha laha. This is the word I wanted to come to. It's a complex word, actually. It's used very common. Wahi. We translate wahi as revelation. The masdar of awha is iha. The infinitive form is iha. Linguistically speaking, actually, it doesn't mean revelation. That's one of its religious implications. Linguistically, purely linguistically speaking. Iha in Arabic means to hint something to someone secretly, about something secret. In other words, you're sitting over there, I'm sitting over here, I just go like that. And you know what to do. This is the kind of language that, for example, sometimes it's spoken in the military. Right? The commander will say that. And the soldier knows exactly what he means, how far to go, where to sit, etc. etc. This is Iha. To drop a hint secretly, and to, in regards to something that's hidden. This iha is talked about in the Qur'an, not just between Allah and the Prophets. This is iha also. قُلْ أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ this, this Qur'an was given to me, in revelation, that's one meaning. But we're talking about the linguistic meaning, let's see how Allah uses it. He says, وَأَوْحَى رَبُّكَ إِلَى النَّحْلِ Allah Azza wa Jal, He revealed to the bee, He revealed, what does that mean? He gave, he gave, He inspired the bee, He gave it a hint on where to go. And instructed it on where to go. We find وَأَوْحِيْنَا إِلَىٰ أُمِّ مُوسَىٰ أَنْ أَرْضِعِهِ We inspired the mother of Musa that she should feed him, breastfeed him. That doesn't mean he gave a revelation. What it implies is the thought came in her mind, the hint was given and she knew what to do, what, what, act, what plan to act out. فَأَوْحَىٰ إِلَيْهِمْ أَنْ سَبِّحُوا بُكْرَةً وَعَشِيَةً This is probably the one that makes it easiest. Zakariya when the angel came and told him, you're going to have a boy. Right? His name is going to be Yahya. He said, Allah give me a sign. What sign did Allah give him? You won't speak to people for three days. Three days and three nights, you're not going to talk to people, right? So when he came out, people said, what's going on? So how did he speak to them? He told them to make tasbih. But he, how did he do it? فَأَوْحَى إِلَيْهِمْ He hinted at them, same word is used, in the meaning of, he hinted at them that they should make tasbih, bukratan wa ashiyah in the morning and in the evening. So the word is used to describe this hint, this subtle hint that's dropped. Then we find in the Qur'an, interesting, وَإِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ لَيُوحُونَ إِلَىٰ أُولِيَائِهِمْ لِيُجَادِلُوكُمْ It is even the shayateen, they also give wahi, that doesn't mean give revelation, it means they drop hints to their wali, their protective friends, so they can debate with you. The shayateen, they, give, they drop hints to their friends, their, their protective friends, so they can debate with the believers. So it's used for them also. So I shared this with you because Allah says, بِأَنَّ رَبَّكَ أَوْحَى لَهَا And you know when this iha is done, 
Both the one receiving it and the one giving it have an understanding. And the one receiving it knows exactly what to do. And Allah Azza wa uses this word for the earth and says on the day it will give, spill all its beans, clearly articulate every single one of its news. Why? Because of the fact that its master, Rabbaka, your master actually, Rabbaka, and we'll talk about that in a second, has given it, a, dropped a hint at it. Allah basically barely hinted at the earth to do this, and this event takes place. It's very easy on Allah. Is it Isha time or? Okay. What time? 8.30? 8.30, okay. Alright, so we're getting somewhere inshaAllah ta'ala. The, the next thing I want to talk to you about from a language point of view is the difference between ilham, ilham and iha. Wahi. Wahi and ilham. I think those of you who speak Urdu at least know both these words. Arabs of course know them. Allah says, فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا From a language point of view, the difference between these two words, even though they're both kind of revelation, inspiration kind of meaning, ilham usually is calling to some sort of action. While awha may or may not. Awha may be wisdom, awha may be a reminder, wahi may be a reminder, may be wisdom, may be something else, may be knowledge. But ilham is something that calls you to action. فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا These are actions. Okay, so that's, that's one big difference between the two. The last thing I want to share with you is the, the last word that's used in regards to revelation or, or giving these kinds of hints, secret hints. Two words that are only used for shayateen. By the way, these words, <coughs> ilham and iha, can be used for shayateen also. But two words that are only used for shayateen are hamazat and waswas. Okay, waswasa and hamazat. So we find in the Quran, hamazat shayateen, qul a'udhu bi rabbika min hamazat shaytan, and alladhi yuwaswisu fi sudurinas. Both of those words are found. Let's look at the commentary in Al Kashaf. وَيَجُوزُ أَنْ يَكُونَ بِأَنَّ رَبَّكَ بَدَلًا مِنْ, أخبار من أخبارها. The word بِأَنَّ رَبَّكَ could be a substitute for the phrase أَخْبَارَهَا in the previous ayah. This is a grammatical concept of substitute. So what he's saying, what's the benefit of knowing that? كَأَنَّهُ قِيلُ يَوْمَئِذٍ تُحَدِّثُ بِأَخْبَارِهَا بِأَنَّ رَبَّكَ أَوْحَالَهَا It is as though Allah is saying the day on, that, on which he, the earth will spill or ex, uh, completely articulate and elaborate every one of the news and information that it contained and that is only because its master, or your master rather, had inspired it to do so. There, there's one word here that's, that demands a lot of attention. It's رَبَّكَ Allah didn't say رَبَّهَا Allah didn't say its master, the master of the earth commanded it, or inspired it, or revealed to it, or dropped a hint at it. He said, your master. Your master, which is the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Allah Azza wa is talking about this, you know, tremendously powerful event. And it was all in the third person. It was, all of it was in the third person. And then especially the messenger was mentioned on the side. بِأَنَّ رَبَّكَ أَوْحَلَى Your master has given inspiration to it. This shows actually the special status of the Messenger of Allah on the Day of Judgment. On the Day of Judgment, the Messenger will have a special status. And we know this from many, many, many ahadith. And the simplest of one you know, when the, the, the anger of Allah Azza wa and the, the shafa'ah, for who will be presented for shafa'ah, is the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It's like the Messenger is made a party to all these events that are happening, and he's distant from the calamities of them. بِأَنَّ رَبَّكَ أَوْحَالَهَا and this, this closeness to the Messenger والسلام, in the second person, everything in the surah is third person, which is tab'id, it's distance. And all of a sudden, second person. 
This is taqrib, to bring the messenger close. It illustrates the closeness Allah has to His messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But then, really, really interesting language. Allah says, awha laha. Not awha ilayha. Not awha ilayha. You see, in Arabic, when a verb is used, which is awha in this case, it comes with a preposition. It's kind of like in English. You say, give up. Give is the verb. Up is the preposition. Okay? Or for example, to speak to. You don't say, I spoke him. You say, I spoke to him. So you have a verb and you have the preposition. But you can't say, I spoke by him. Or I spoke at him. Or I spoke in him. You have to say, I spoke to him. You have to use the right preposition. You understand? Every verb has certain prepositions that are associated with it. The, the preposition associated with awha is not la. It's ila. So what we were expecting was, بِأَنَّ رَبَّكَ أَوْحَى إِلَيْهَا إِلَيْهَا And this is used all over the Qur'an. قُلْ أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى إِلَى We find إِلَى النَّحْلِ for example Allah says, يُوحَى إِلَيَّ قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَنَا بَشَرٌ مِثْلُكُمْ يُوحَى إِلَيَّ إِلَى is used. Not la, but ila. But in this ayah, instead of saying, بِأَنَّ رَبَّكَ أَوْحَى إِلَيْهَا He says, بِأَنَّ رَبَّكَ أَوْحَى لَهَا And this is a little bit of a complex concept, but I'll try to simplify it as much as I can. When there are two verbs, two things have to be said. Two things have to be said. Verb, preposition number one, and verb number two, preposition number two. Two things have to be said. You can combine them by saying verb number one and preposition number two. I'll say that again. You have verb one, preposition one. And then you have verb two and preposition two. You want to say all four. You want to say four things. Verb one, preposition one, verb two, preposition. You want to say this whole thing. You know what you could do? You could just say verb one and preposition two. And the Arab, the ancient Arab is smart enough to know this verb and that preposition means he wants me to think of the preposition he didn't say and the verb he didn't say. He's telling me the whole thing. So what's the verb that's... It's incredible actually. It's, it's a remarkable feature of the Qur'an. That Allah Azawajal embeds words like this. This is a concept of hadth, of, of omission in the Qur'an. It's a remarkable thing. And that happens in this ayah. La in the ayah goes with idhn. And Ibn Kathir rahimahullah catches it. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah sees it. He says, when explaining the ayah, وَالظَّاهِرْ أَنَّ هَذَا مُضْمَنْ بِمَعْنَى أَذِنَ لَهَا the, the meaning embedded inside, in addition to he gave it a hint, he gave it an instruction, he gave it revelation is, he gave it permission. The other meaning of the ayah is, because Allah gave it permission. So there are two. Allah gave it an instruction, Allah gave the earth an instruction to speak, and the other is, Allah gave it the permission to speak. What's the difference? If you give someone instruction, it's because they, you, they may not want to do it. They're only doing it because you told them to do it. But if you give someone permission, like if, you know, there's students in a class, somebody says, can I go drink water? And I give them permission. What, you know what that means? They wanted it. They want, if I give instruction, do problem number five, that doesn't necessarily mean that they want to. But they're doing it anyway, because I gave them instruction, I give them a hint, do it. But if they ask me permission, can we leave? Can we eat lunch? Can we have a break? And I give them permission, it implies whatever I gave them, they wanted. What, the, what we learn from that is, the earth always wanted to shake. The earth always wanted to speak. 
the earth has been waiting restlessly for that day that it can finally be done with its burden. Allah gave it such a huge task and it has to hold it patiently until that day. Until finally Allah says, He gives it instruction, go ahead, and gives it permission, go ahead. And that's captured in just that little lam in the ayah. It's incredible. بِأَنَّ رَبَّكَ أَوْحَى لَهَا يَوْمَئِذٍ يَصْلُرُ النَّاسِ Now we can come to the next ayah. Each of these ayat, they're so deep. You know, the wording in the ayat is so beautiful and deep. يَوْمَئِذٍ يَصْلُرُ Again, يَوْمَئِذٍ So it's gotten even tougher. إِذَا يَوْمَئِذٍ number one and now يَوْمَئِذٍ number two. يَوْمَئِذٍ يَصْدُرُ النَّاسِ You know what sadr means in Arabic? It means chest. Sadr in Arabic means chest. I'll give you a rough translation first. The day on which people will be turned back, turned away into multiple groups so they may see their actions. That's a rough translation. Now we're gonna go word by word and figure some things out about this ayah. On that day, people will be turned away. يَصْدُرُ From sadr is a chest. Sadir in Arabic, this is very important to understand. Sadir in Arabic is someone who left home, went and got some water from the well or the watershed, and then came back home. Went, left, went somewhere, and came back, this is called Sadir. If someone only came home, which means they're a newcomer, they didn't go and come back, they only came. They're called Warid. So Warid and Sadir are antonyms, they're opposites of each other. Warada and Sadar, they're two different words, okay? Sadr in Arabic is to go and come back. Allah says, يَوْمَئِذِينَ يَصْدُرُ nas. People on that day, now people is being used, all people, are going to basically, now what is this going and what is this coming back? The question to ask is, where are they gonna go? And what are they coming back to? This is a very powerful word that's used in this ayah to describe the last day. It's a radical concept. You know the day of judgment, you know about it since you were little. You've heard about the day of judgment, you know, many many times. And Allah talks about it so many times. But the way He talks about it, the way He makes it a new subject every time, it's incredible. How can one subject become new every time? Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying, this world, this is our starting point. We started here. Then we went into our graves. We spent time in our graves, and then we what? Came back, came back out. When we were in this world, this was the time to do deeds. Then we left. When we came back, it's time to suffer the consequences of our deeds. You come back and it's not the same earth anymore. يَوْمَ تُبَدَّلُوا الْأَرْضُ غَيْرَ الْأَرْضِ The day on the earth, the earth will be changed into something other than the earth. When we go into the grave, this world was something we recognized. When we come out, it's the same earth, but it's not something we recognize. We're brought back. Now this, the previous time was to do deeds. The previous time when we were here to begin with, it was to act. The second time, to witness our acts. Now you can't do anything now. Now you're helpless. You can't even move your hands. The hands aren't going to be moved for you. You can't even speak. Your tongue will speak against you. While you were here the first time, you were in control. When you come here the second time, Allah says, لِمَنِ الْمُلْكُ الْيَوْمُ Who has authority today? Allah asked that question. Right? Same earth. But when you go, you come back, it's not the same place anymore. It's completely transformed. You understand? Now when you used when you were at this home, you were living with your family, you were living with your friends, Muslims were living with non-Muslims, Muslims were living with hypocrites, the true believer living in the same house as a, as a munafiq, as a weak believer. Everybody was mixed together. It was all one society. But this is when you were here. Now then you leave, you go into your grave on your own. But when you come back, Allah says, يَسْطُرُ النَّاسُ أَشْتَاتًا Ashtat comes from the Arabic word shatta. 
Shatta means to be, you know, if something was one and it broke and it broke into many pieces, this is called Shatta in Arabic. In other words, humanity was one. We felt like we were in one neighborhood, one town, one village, one community. But when we come back, what happens? We're all broken up into different categories. We're, we're not one. Ashtatan. Now why would we be broken, we'd be broken up? Why can't we stay the way things were? Why can't he go back to his family? You know Allah says, إِنَّهُ كَانَ فِي أَهْلِهِ مَسْرُوَةِ He used to be happy with his family. Can't go back to his family now. About the kafir. But for the believer, he says, وَيَنْقَلِبُ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهِ مَسْرُوَةِ He gets to go back to his family. But what is this division, this spreading that Allah Azza wa Jalla talks about? To be dispersed. The opposite of which is Allafa. Allafa is to take things that were apart and bring them together. So when the hearts of the believers come together, he says, فَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِكُمْ He brought your hearts together. Implying they were apart and because of iman, all your hearts came together. That's the word ta'lif. The opposite of which, tashtit and shatta. Ashtat and here the plural. Shatit. Now these, uh, uh, this word in the Qur'an, Allah says, تَحْسُبُهُمْ جَمِيعًا وَقُلُوبُهُمْ شَتَّى Same word. Similarly we find, you know, uh, actually this ayah itself, you will think that the kuffar, their hearts are together. You will think they're all united against you, but their hearts are shatta. they're all over the place. They're broken apart, they even hate each other. They don't just hate you, they hate each other too. <laughs> That's the reality described in the word shatta. Anyhow. Al-Biqa'i rahimahullah comments, أَيْ مُتَفَرِّقِينَ بِحَسْبِ مَرَاتِبِهِمْ فِي الذَّوَاتِ وَالْأَحْوَالِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَكَافِرِينَ وَآمِنْ وَخَائِفٍ وَمُطِيعٍ وَعَاسٍ Subhanallah. This ashtat, this breaking up will be in accordance with everybody's degree and rank of good deeds and evil deeds. The good, the, the better, in a certain rank. As-sabiqoona, as-sabiqoona, ulaika al-muqarrabun. Right? Then those, those who followed them. Their people will be ranked according to their deeds. You will not get to meet people who lived in the same neighborhood. You'll get to meet people who are in the same rank. They scored in the same percentile as you. <laughs> You're broken up into these ashtat. Some argue these are only two ashtat, two groups, two large groups. But others comment, because the word ashtat plural is used, it implies even within the believers, even within disbelievers, there will be multiple groups, multiple categories of people. Others yet argue, no, ashtat means everybody will be by themselves. They take the ayat, لَقَدْ جِئْتُمُونَ فُرَادًا You have come to us only by yourself. Or Allah says, كُلُّهُمْ أَتِيهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ فَرْدًا Each of them will come to Allah on the Day of Judgment, alone, by himself, individually. So this breaking up implies everybody's broken up from all their human connections, and they are standing there all alone by themselves. Al-Biqa'i rahimahullah, we commented on, Al-Zamakhshari, he says, يُصْلِرُونَ عَمْ مَخَارِجِهِمْ مِنَ الْقُبُورِ إِلَى الْمَوْقِفِ Incredible. They will spread, they will go into their graves and come out of it, spreading out from their graves into the place they're supposed to stand, al-mawqif. The place you're supposed to stand where you can't move from, actually. And then of course, there the faces of the believers will turn white and those of the disbelievers will turn black out of fear. And th- this will be broken up groups and each group will either have a path that leads to Jannah or a path that leads to Hellfire. May Allah make us of those whose path leads to Jannah. We want to finish the, at least the, the commentary on this ayah before we take a break for the salah insha'Allah ta'ala. And that is the last wording which is incredible. a'malahum. Why will we be broken into groups? Li. Li is li ajal. Harf ajal here. It gives purpose. Why are you broken into groups? So they may be shown liyuraw a'malahum their deeds. Liyuraw a'malahum. Now there's a difference between a'malahum and af'alahum. There's, there's amal and there's fi'l in Arabic. Amal means something you do consciously. 
Fi'l means something you do subconsciously. Breathing is not amal. What is breathing? It's a fi'l. Listening, hearing is not an amal. It is what? A fi'l. You just do it. You don't have to consciously make the, I'm gonna actually hear a sound. You don't do that. By the way, listening, listening carefully is an amal. But hearing a sound is a fi'l. You understand? One is conscious, one is subconscious. You don't even have to make an effort to do it. When you open your eyes, the fact that you see is a fi'l. What you look at would have to be what? Amal. You understand the difference? People will not be shown their fi'l, they will be shown their a'malahum. They will be shown their deeds. Now some mufassirun commented, they will be shown the reward of their deeds. The reward of their deeds. Others commented, no, this is, this is not the place where the rewards are talked about. This is the place where just the deeds are talked They will be shown their deeds. What does this mean? This is the last comment. We'll explain it more when we come back inshallah ta'ala. Here's, here's what, what I want you to know. We do a lot of bad things, even Muslims. We do bad deeds and we do good deeds. Kuffar also do bad deeds and they also do good deeds. Now, the kuffar, even their good deeds, don't count. If you don't have that one good deed which is La ilaha illallah, none of your good deeds count. If you could give charity, be nice, etc. None of that counts. It's all multiplied by zero if you have kufr. Shaitan had a lot of good deeds. But he multiplied them all by zero by doing one act of kufr. Right? So kufr multiplies all your good deeds by zero. Now on the other hand, the believers, they have bad deeds. But then Allah tells us, you do this, some of your deeds are wiped away. You do istighfar, they're wiped away. Your tawbah, you do tawbah, they're wiped away. Right? They're erased, etc. etc. But what we're, we're learning here is, you know how, oh, what we're learning is, this was, these were the points taken off, and then you did this, and you got credit for them. So it's like a ledger with debit and credit, right? Minus and plus. And of course for the believer, he may have a lot of minus, but his pluses can cancel this out, and then the bottom, the, the, the statement on the bottom tells you what the eventual balance is. But the balance is on the bottom, in the, in the statement, what do you see? Only the credit or only the debit? What do you see? You see both. You see the good and you see the bad. The bottom will show us what ended up happening in the end, what deeds did Allah count, which one were taken as sincerity, which one were not, which one were canceled out, which deeds were erased, etc., etc. But this, the first step will be, you'll be shown everything you'll get to see the whole picture. And that's even further fortified in the next ayat whose tafsir will study, فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا وَمِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًا Right? The, the worth, the, the, the atom's worth, the speck's worth, we'll talk about the word ذرة and its linguistic implications, مِثْقَال and its implications, they will get to see them. So inshallah ta'ala after the break, we'll complete a study of this ayah and Surah Zidzag. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik, nashadu an la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk, wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.